Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. And so, our Father, as we turn to your living word this morning, we want to pray for the help of your Spirit, that he might be active in our midst, in our hearts, in our minds, that we might understand what you're saying, that we might submit to what you're saying, that we might live in the light of what you're saying to us this morning. And we pray it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Psalm 117 then. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples. For great is his love towards us. And the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Well, you may know that these uh, two verses are not only the the shortest of all of the Psalms, but also the shortest chapter in the whole Bible. Even though the Psalm is uh, short on word count, though, I think it's just 30 words in our translation, it is nevertheless pregnant with meaning. The great Baptist preacher Charles Spurgeon said, This Psalm, which is very little in its letter, is exceedingly large in its spirit for bursting all bounds of race or nationality. It calls upon all mankind to praise the name of the Lord. Others have commented that it's as though this little psalm is embedded with the DNA code of the Bible. One uh, preacher said, grasp the message of this psalm and you have grasped the message of the whole Bible. Grasp the message of the Bible and you've grasped the truth about life, the universe and everything. In this psalm, he said, is the key to your whole life and being. It's a pretty bold claim, isn't it? We'll test it, I guess, as we go this morning. But I think it makes it a great text for us on the the 31st of December. It's a day when many of us uh, look back on one year, no doubt with a mixture of thankfulness for many things as we prayed, sadness for other things. And uh, we look ahead to the future, again, with a combination, no doubt, of hope and ambition and fear and concern as well. But here in this psalm, I want to suggest, is a, is a north star by which we can set our course for 2018. Uh, it's a psalm of one command with two reasons to obey it. The command sandwiches it. Praise the Lord, all you nations, extol him, all you peoples. And then it ends, praise the Lord. And in between are these two great reasons for praise. God's mighty love on the one hand and his enduring faithfulness on the other. And those are going to be the two points I'm going to make this morning. Praise the Lord first because of his mighty love. I wonder what you make of who or to whom I should say the psalm is addressed. Uh, We might think that if anyone is going to be encouraged to praise the Lord, then surely it will be God's own people, Israel. But here, that instruction is given instead to all of the nations of the world. I wonder what you make of that. I think it it makes it an an explosive little psalm in our day. If you're not too sure about that, I've got a little exercise you can uh, undertake at any time. Just uh, wander into a, a mosque somewhere one Friday lunchtime. And when the worshippers are about to pray, just stand up and recite 
Psalm 117 and see what happens. Uh, or you could do it this evening if you're out for Hogmanay celebrating somewhere. Stand up again just before midnight maybe and with a loud hailer just bid everyone be quiet and say just, just before we sing Old Lang Syne together I've got a message. Uh, all of you young or old, rich or poor, spiritual or materialistic, I command you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to abandon whatever else it is that you're living for and worshipping in life and to praise the Lord. There might be some very good reasons not to do that this evening. If you're out, we can uh, discuss those afterwards. One of the less good reasons that might stop us from doing that is that nagging sense that we have when we talk to people about Christ, that we are in some way asking them to settle for second best in life. They seem content enough, don't they, many of our friends who don't know and follow Christ. And so to, to challenge them to accept Jesus as Lord, to praise him, can feel like a, an unkind imposition. I find it helpful to remember that God doesn't tell us to praise him because of any lack or need on his part but rather because it's good for us to do so. Uh, The author John Piper said, the reason God is seeking our praise is not because he won't be complete until he gets it. It is rather because we won't be happy until we give it. Missions is calling the world to do what they're created to do, namely to enjoy making much of Christ forever. That means uh, the message of this psalm is not that people have to give up everything that's fun in life and to swap it for a lifetime of choir practice or something. It is rather that God is inviting us to discover our true destiny, our purpose in life, and to become the people that we were designed to be. And so the people of Israel used to sing to the nations around them, all of you, praise the Lord. Extol him, for great is his love towards us. You'll see the the logic of it. Why should the the people of St. Andrew's praise the Lord answer? Because of his great love for us, his people. The heart of our message to the world then is, look at the amazing love of God that he has shown to us, his people. Consider how great it is then come on in and enjoy it with us. Uh, In that sense, I think we can compare the church to someone sitting in a hot tub. Um, We went on holiday somewhere once where at a nearby uh, leisure place, there was a hot tub that was outside. Uh, There was snow on the ground. You had this beautiful view looking out over a, a gorgeous lake. If you were in there and someone was standing shivering on the outside, you might be... Uh, They may be unsure whether they wanted to get in. You'd be saying, or the church is saying, God's love is the most wonderful thing in the world. Come on in and enjoy it with us. The word that the psalmist uses to describe God's love here is great. That's not great in the sense of size and bulk, but in the sense of might and power. Uh, The same word is used elsewhere when an army is winning a battle, also to describe the unstoppable waters of a mighty flood. The idea is that God's love is invincible, that it, it conquers anything and everything that might stand 
in its way. It's the same as Paul was saying when he said, nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Because it's that mighty. What Jesus himself was saying when he said, I give my sheep eternal life, they'll never perish, no one shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. But if there's that that magnitude to God's love, the question is, where is it to be found? And there's at least three little clues in the psalm. that the, The psalmist is thinking in particular of the love that God has shown to his people in salvation. Uh, The word itself is the Hebrew word hesed. It's variously translated loving, merciful kindness or steadfast love, unfailing love. It refers to the special covenant love that God showed to his people when he saved them from Egypt and adopted them as his very own. And there's the the name for God that's used. It's um, in the capitals here in our Bibles, isn't it? Lord in little capitals. Whenever that happens, uh, we know it's it's the special name Yahweh that God revealed to Moses at the the burning bush. It's a a statement of God's self-sufficiency on the one hand and a promise of his protecting presence on the other. I will be with you in power forever to save you. And the, the context too, this um, Psalm 117 is a part of a little run of Psalms from 113 to 118 that uh, I'm told scholars called the Egyptian Hillel. The people of Israel used to sing them when they gathered together each year to celebrate the Passover. It's almost certain then that Jesus would have sung this psalm on the, uh, the night of the Last Supper during uh, that night before his crucifixion as together he and his disciples looked back and remembered the astonishing love that God had shown to his people when he saved them from Egypt. That night was so important. You remember the the blood on the doorpost, the angel passing over the house because God had provided protection from his judgment for his people. That night was so important to the people of Israel that they commemorated it every year. It became the, the defining feature of their national identity. They knew that their Lord was loving and gracious, that he was a God of steadfast love. And so the, the people sang to the nations around them. Look what happens to people who oppose God, like Egypt did. See how they fare. See what God has done for us, his people. See how his love has transformed our fortunes. And come on in, join the party, praise the Lord for his mighty love. But if the people of Israel could sing this psalm with gratitude and love for God flowing through their veins. I hope we can see that anyone who's experienced the love that God has poured out on his people in Jesus Christ have even more reason to do so. Uh, One of the Psalms says, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is God's love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions, our sins from us. And of course the place we see that love most clearly is on the cross. God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I read from John, this is how God showed his love among us. 
He sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. Well, I can't think of a better way for us all to look ahead to 2018 than by remembering again this mighty love of God that took the Christmas baby we've been celebrating all the way to the cross. Uh, It struck me recently that in the course of Israel's history, there were some years when everything was going pretty much as well as it could have been going. King Solomon was reigning, maybe. The kingdom was enjoying abundance and peace and prosperity. And years like that, when it came to Passover time, they sang this psalm. It would have been good to remember, wouldn't it, that all the good gifts they enjoyed in life were from above. Just a a temporal reminder of God's grace and love to them. And I'm sure that for some of us, 2017, maybe Christmas in particular, has been a bit like that. We've enjoyed happy days with families and friends. Uh, We've made progress with our ambitions through the course of the year. We've built memories that will stay with us forever. And best of all, we've walked closely with our Lord, maybe. We've known his tangible presence with us in our life, day by day. Well, praise the Lord for his great grace. Great is his love towards us. But there were many other years in Israel's history, as you read through the Old Testament, when life at Passover time would have looked very, very bleak indeed. Think of their time in exile in Babylon. God's priorities seemed a million miles away. They felt abandoned by him. And I'm sure that for some of us, 2017 has been more that kind of year. Uh, Things haven't gone in the way that we'd hoped. There have been disappointments, sadnesses, griefs and, and pains. And spiritually too, I'm sure some of us have made big mistakes. To others, God, even in the depth of our trials, has felt a, a long, long way away indeed. How good it is then for us to be taken back at the very beginning of a new year and reminded again of the unshakable foundation of the love that God has poured out on us in Jesus Christ. He doesn't love us because we're great. He doesn't love us because he thinks we're going to get it right all the time. He knows that we're not. But he just loves us gloriously, freely, and unstoppably. And it's our great privilege as God's people in St. Andrews to have been commissioned by God with the, the glorious task of making his love known to others in this town in 2018. There's nothing the people of this town need more than a knowledge of and an experience of God's love. And I'm sure it's the case that the more we revel in it together as God's people then the more authentic and attractive our message will be when we say, praise the Lord, all you people of St Andrews, for great is the love that he has poured out on us in Jesus Christ. Let me encourage us then to take some time over the next 24 hours, if we're able, to stop and to thank God for his great love. Here's the second reason to praise the Lord, because his faithfulness endures forever. 
And the point here is that God is a God of his word. Um, You'll see it there in verse 2. Great is his love towards us and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. It means that whenever God says that he will do something, he will always do it. And whenever he makes a promise, not one of them will fall to the ground. The people of Israel had seen that in the course of their own history as Psalm 136 recounted it for us. You go back as far as Abraham. He was an old man. His wife Sarah was far too old to have children when God told them that they would have as many descendants as there are stars in the sky. It seemed so ludicrous that Abraham himself laughed. And yet God did exactly as he had said. Hundreds of thousands of descendants later... It was obvious that this wasn't a God who says one thing and then does another. This is a God who is true to his own word, only and always and forever. And so when it came to the Passover celebrations each year, Israel had ample reason to say to the nations, praise our God, because his faithfulness endures forever. And if that was true for them, once again, it's... Even more true for us, isn't it? We know that no matter how many promises God has made, they are all of them yes in Jesus Christ. God had promised for hundreds of years a saviour who would die for his people. And as Jesus expired on the cross, we know that he is the one. He promised a king who would reign forever. And as he rises from the grave, we see that he is that king, that every promise of God is fulfilled in him. The quality, uh, this is a quality that makes God absolutely dependable for us in life. Uh, One of the things I love most about Christmas, I don't know about you, but the chance to catch up with old friends. And we haven't been able to do so much of it this year for one reason or another. But as I was thinking through it recently, it occurred to me that of all the qualities that you might want in a friend, uh, none is more important than than faithfulness. Uh, It's great when a friend is hilarious. It's good to laugh with people. It's great when they go the extra mile for you. It's great when they help you in times of need, but you'll know that that nothing hurts more than when a friend lets you down. When they say one thing or do another, when they make a promise and they fail to keep it. And so no quality matters more than faithfulness. Because if you're going to share the secrets of your heart with someone, you want to know that they are utterly trustworthy and dependable, that they're safe. If that's true in friendships, it's even more true when we're talking about the, the foundations of life. If you're going to build your life and base your eternity on a system of beliefs, you, you need to know that it's able to bear that weight. Uh, in the days of the psalmist, some of the Canaanite people around Israel believed in a god called Molech who uh, told them, amongst other things, that the way to earn his favour was to sacrifice babies to him. So they did. But it was a lie. You say, oh, but no one would fall for that nonsense today. But think of those poor young men that we see in the news most weeks who have been brainwashed by the Quran and the Islamic Hadith to believe that if they die as a martyr for Allah, they'll be taken straight to paradise and rewarded with 72 voluptuous virgins 
uh, drunk on those promises, often drugged up to the eyeballs. People drive buses into crowds. They blow themselves up. They're gambling their life, their eternity, on something that's just a fabrication, a lie. Lots closer to home than that. What of those who tell us uh, that this life is all that there is, that we should just eat and drink and be merry for tomorrow we die? Or that this life is all about success, that our worth is tied to the grades we achieve and the jobs we get and the salary we earn and the legacy we leave? Uh, All around St Andrews we'll meet people and Consciously or not, they're building their life on those kinds of belief, but none of them are are true. And they don't satisfy either. Again, then, it's our great privilege to be able to tell the people of this town that there is something far better than building our life on the unsatisfying promises of the world. Because we can instead build our life on the life-giving word, on the faithfulness of a God who has spoken and whose word endures forever. This is the one who cannot lie. This is the one whose word cannot be broken. And again, I think that's a a great place, isn't it, for us to start the year. Uh, God has invited all the nations of the world to come and live with him forever in a perfect new world. A world that will be free from all sickness and pain and death. A world that is full of unspeakable joy and unimaginable love. And we can build our life on that promise this year. We can cling to it in the midst of the hard times that no doubt will come for many of us. And we can pass on that invitation to the people of this town. And when we do that, it's good to know that we're not misadvertising. It's good to know that we're not living a lie, that we're not making a promise that God can't keep. Because Jesus' death and resurrection shows and proves that the promises of God are a rock-solid reality still today as we head into 2018. One final thought this morning. Um, Lots of talk about Martin Luther in 2017 because of the uh, commemoration of the Reformation. It was Luther, I think, who pointed out that this Psalm 117 is also an anticipation of a great day in the future when a multitude that no one can count, people, men and women from every nation and tribe and tongue, will stand before the throne Uh, before the Lamb who was slain, and cry out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That's where history is heading. If we're trusting personally in the Lord Jesus Christ, that's where we're heading as well. We will be there in that vast crowd. It's not wishful thinking. It is something rather we can be sure of, because his love is great, and his faithfulness endures forever. It's not always easy to believe that in the midst of pain and uncertainty and fear. But he is absolutely dependable. And that is a security we can enjoy in 2018. And of course, if anyone hasn't trusted in him personally, then know that you're invited to join us in praising this awesome God whose love is mighty and whose faithfulness endures forever. Let's pray together.
We do want to praise you, our great God, for your love. When we think of our own hearts, when we think of the ways that we fail to live even up to our own standards, let alone your standards, even in this last week, we are amazed at your love that would give your one and only Son to die that we might live. As we think of ways in which we've failed to keep our promises, ways in which even when we've tried really hard to achieve something, we've been unable to do so. We praise you too that your promises never fall to the ground, that you are faithful, that though heaven and earth will pass away, that your word will never pass away, and that every promise you have ever made is yes in the Lord Jesus Christ. We praise you. We entrust ourselves to you. We know that the security that there is in the Lord Jesus, the love that there is, cannot be found anywhere else in our world. And so we praise you for him. And we ask that you would strengthen our hearts in 2018, that we might revel in your love and that we might extend to the world around us, this needy world, an invitation to come and join us in praising you, our loving and faithful God. And we pray it for Jesus' sake. Amen.